0: Thank you so much for joining us this morning, on this Sunday morning, whether you're uh, tuning in and watching us online. If you're here in the building this morning, thank you so much for making that choice to make Connect a part of your day -day. today. Now, those of you who know me, uh, know my wife, Casey, some of you may be surprised to hear this, but um, we don't always see eye to eye. Every now and again, and obviously only every now and again, we we can have some some little disagreements. And uh, as I was thinking about what I was going to speak about this morning, uh, I remembered one particular incident some time ago. When the pair of us had been away somewhere, and we were on our way home, and uh, it was kind of getting a bit later, uh, and we were getting hungry, we hadn't stopped and had any dinner, so we decided, you know, let's just pull through a drive-through here. Uh, we'll grab something. We'll we'll eat it in the car on the way home. So we get to the drive-through window, and uh, I ask her what she wants, and I decide I'm going to get a cheeseburger, and uh, all she wants is some fries. And I said to her, you know, what size fries do you want? She goes, well, that depends. Are you going to? eat any of my fries. I said, no, I just want a cheeseburger. She goes, well, I'll just get a small fry. So I ordered my cheeseburger and her small fry and well, you know what fries smell like. I mean, it's, we know it's quicker pulled out of the drive-thru, and I've taken one bite of my cheeseburger, and you know what's missing? It's missing just a fry or two to go with it. So um, remembering that just um, years before in our wedding vows, we'd stood and looked one another in the eyes and said, What's yours is mine. What's mine is yours. I said, You know what, Case? Can I have a couple of fries? And she just looked at me. She said, you said you didn't want any fries. I said, well, I know. I just want a couple. Do you not have a couple of extra fries? And she said, no, I don't have any extra fries? I said, you've got a whole bag of fries. Here. You must have a, and uh, this this carried on for for quite some time. And as uh, so I was talking to her about it this week, um, I still to this day don't remember if I ever did get any fries. I know it was a very um, difficult conversation, um, but she was adamant that she had just the right amount of fries. That there weren't any extra fries, and I want to talk about that um, this morning. Just that idea of extra. You know, what is it to have uh, enough, and what is it to have extra? Because we've been in this series talking about this this topic, in God we trust. And it's a great phrase, because um, as followers of Jesus, it's something that uh, we all want to live for. We want to be people who live trusting completely in God, but... As you know, it's also uh, famous for being found on our currency. You can see the phrase, in God we trust, on our banknotes and on our coins. Uh, And ironically, one of the areas that sometimes we struggle the most to trust God completely in is in the area of our finances, of our money. So for these last few weeks, we've been talking about this idea of of trusting God completely with every part of our lives. And especially when it comes to our money and our finances and our possessions. Now, you might feel this morning when it comes to money, um, you don't have much extra. You don't have a lot of extra uh, resources, a lot of extra money. But let me ask you this. If, if you live indoors and you eat every day, okay, if that's you, if you live indoors and you get to eat a meal every day, do you know that makes you one of the top 15% wealthiest people in the world? Do you know that? If you live indoors and you had uh, food to eat every meal this week, then that's put you in the entire planet, on this world, in the top 15% of the wealthiest people. Isn't that amazing to think about that? You see, my guess is that almost everyone here, whether you're watching online or whether you're here in person, that's you. You found yourselves living indoors and having enough to eat. But the thing is, we don't think of ourselves as wealthy because we tend to compare ourselves with people who have more. We look at the person with the bigger house, uh, the nicer car, and we think, well, they've got more than us, so so they're wealthy. I'm not. But the truth is, most of us here this morning, in a global sense, are very wealthy, and we all have extra. We all have extra. You know, Jesus talked about this idea in a story that he told once. Jesus was famous for telling parables, which are stories to illustrate um, a deeper point And he was talking about this idea of wealth and and the stuff we have and just the idea of extra. What what do we do with that extra? What's the purpose of that extra? It was actually about a farmer. And you can read about it in Luke chapter 12. And we're going to read here in verse 16. Jesus is speaking to the people. It says, he told them this parable. The ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. So this is the story about a guy who had extra. He had this abundant harvest, a farmer bumper crop. So he asked himself a question, verse 17. He thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Sounds like a rich person problem to me. So verse 18, then he said, this is what I'll do. I will tear down my barns and I'll build bigger ones. And there I will store my surplus grain. It's kind of like saying, I know, I'll tear down my barns and I'll build extra larger ones, and there I will store all my extra and my extra extra. I'm kind of paraphrasing here, but this is kind of summing up the, the point of the story that, that Jesus is addressing. He's saying that that this this guy in this story, he assumed that all this extra that he'd been blessed with was for him to consume. And so his plan was to keep and consume, keep and consume. We don't like to think of um, our possessions or our money in that way. So we, we like to think of phrases like save and spend. But Jesus is addressing this idea of extra. Listen to what he says in the next verse, verse 19. The guy says, I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. Now, can you imagine the crowd of people gathered around as Jesus was telling this story? Maybe in their minds, they were picturing someone who they thought of like this, a farmer who'd done very well, who was building bigger storehouses, bigger barns, and and they were kind of envious of this rich man, of this rich farmer. But then Jesus changes the story altogether. The story takes a dark turn in verse 20. God said to him, You fool, this very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? Obviously, this was a rhetorical question. Jesus wasn't expecting the crowds to answer, but he knew that every one of them was fully aware of what the answer was to that question. When this guy lost his life, who would get what was left? Not him. His family, his his extended family, others would benefit from it, but he himself would have nothing anymore. And then Jesus goes on to say in verse 21, this is... Is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves but is not rich towards God. So there's the application, there's the point he's trying to make. In fact, just a few verses later, Jesus says these famous words that we've actually talked about a couple of times in the last three or four weeks. In Luke 12 34, he says, For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Now, I want to point out something really, really important here. Because it can be easy to hear this story that Jesus is telling this morning and start to think, oh, I don't know if I like the, the point he's trying to make here. Jesus was not calling this man a fool because he was rich. Okay, That's not what Jesus was saying here. There is, there is nothing in Scripture, no command that says it is wrong to be rich or it's wrong to have extra In fact, we can read that God says he he freely gives us all these things that we might enjoy them. God wants to, to bless us in our lives with these things. If you have a nice house this morning, you do not need to feel guilty. You need to enjoy it. If you have a nice car, don't be embarrassed about that. Enjoy it. If you went on a nice vacation or if you got a nice vacation planned for this summer with your family, don't feel guilty about that. Enjoy it. It's not about what you have. The man wasn't called a a fool because he was rich. Jesus referred to this man as a fool because he was not rich toward God. That's why he called this guy out in the story. Not because he was a wealthy man. Not because he was a rich man. Not because his his farm was doing well and lots of grain was coming in. It wasn't that he had so much. It was that he was not rich toward God. So, So what did Jesus mean by that? I think to, to change the phrase there, being rich toward God, Jesus was simply saying, because this wasn't a man with a generous heart. This wasn't a man who, who understood generosity. I can remember several years ago, uh, I got to be an event, and the, the, at the time, the person in charge of the organization Compassion International, if you're familiar with Compassion, uh, they help um, build centers and sponsor children in a... Poverty around the world in, in really, uh, South America, Africa, you know, real l- low income places. And uh, Wes Stafford was his name, and he was talking about the concept of poverty. And it was fascinating what he said because it stuck with me ever since. He said, um, People often ask me to define poverty. And I I explain it this way. I I, I asked the question back to them, what would you say is the opposite of poverty? What would you say is the opposite of poverty? And he said, most of the time, people will respond with something like wealth or or riches. And I'll correct them. I'll say, no, I don't think that is. I I think the opposite of poverty is enough. And he said, let me explain why. He said, I've been to some of the, the poorest places on earth. People living in some of the most desperate situations. And the reason they're facing these situations is because they don't have enough. Enough food, enough clothes, enough water. And we as an organization, we want to help these people in the name of Jesus to have enough. He said, but I've been very fortunate as the CEO of this, this global organization to also get to sit alongside some of the wealthiest people in the world. And he said, you know what I've discovered? Some of them live their lives like they don't have enough. They want more and they're constantly consuming and wanting bigger and better. He said, poverty isn't where you're born. Poverty is a mindset. The opposite of poverty is enough. And I think that's what Jesus is challenging in this story that he's telling And and he challenges it by introducing this concept of generosity. And I want to talk about that here this morning and get real practical for us here at Connect Church this morning. And introduce you to what I've called the generosity ladder. The generosity ladder. We're going to see that ladder here in just a second. But before we we go over and take a look at this ladder, let me tell you, I know ladders can be dangerous at times. And and I want to tell you this morning that um, not wanting to step onto the generosity ladder can be dangerous for you and me. Here's why. You see, people who don't like the generosity ladder tend to be people who love money, which is what Jesus was talking about in this story. And, and Paul, another writer in the New Testament, also addresses this. He's writing to Timothy, uh, this young protege of his who's leading this church. And he's trying to help Timothy grow as a leader in the church and giving him some instruction. And listen to what he says when he's writing to Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 10. He says, For the love of money... And hear this, not just money, but the love of money. He says, The love of money is a root of all sorts of evil. And some, by longing for it, have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. Paul's saying, listen, there is, there is danger here. When you love money, it did cause you to turn away from God, cause all sorts of griefs. In fact, The word here, we read it, love. It actually should be translated more literally as lust. The Greek word is more lust, desire. It's the lust, the desire for money that can lead to all sorts of troubles. When it becomes more important to you than your desire for God. It can create all sorts of self-inflicted pain. So one of the ways to avoid that pain is by taking a look at our generosity ladder. So here it is, our generosity ladder. I've spoken about this before at Connect, uh, but if you've not heard about it before, it's, it's, um, it's fairly simple. It kind of represents our generosity. It represents our heart, our desire to give. Now we talk about giving a lot here at Connect. Sometimes we'll have a special offering where we'll support a local organization. And you guys are wonderful. You always step up and you, you've done some great things to help at Christmas time and different times. But on a regular basis, every Sunday, we talk about giving because uh, much of what we do as a church, the ministry we do, we're able to do through the generosity of so many of you. So many of you who give faithfully. And that's because so many of you at some point have taken a step towards this ladder. So you may be here this morning, and you've never given here at Connect. You've never given uh, in any of our offerings that kind of thing. And, And maybe for you, the challenge will be stepping onto the first step of this ladder. The first step is to choose to give something. To give something. Now, maybe you're new to church. Maybe you've never been a part of a church before and and you've never given in a church before. This could be a big step for you. But through this series, as we've been talking about this idea of in God we trust, maybe that's where God's kind of tugging at your heart to take that first step to give something. Now, some of you, you're listening to me speak this morning and you're on the first step. Because at some point in your journey, whether it was here at Connect or maybe you attended a church before this, but, but you came to that point in your life where you decided, you know, I'm, I'm going to give something. When there's an opportunity to give, when they talk about a, a special need within the church, where there is something that, uh, that they need, I'm going to put my hand in my pocket and I'm going to choose to give something. And, and you're that person, you're on this step right now. But maybe in this series, God will challenge you to move up to the next step. And that next step is to give generously. Give generously. Well, how's that different than giving something? Well, we talked about this last week. I think the big difference between just giving something and giving, giving generously is, is having a plan. Having a plan, saying, you know, I'm not just going to give When there is a need, I'm not just going to give when I'm asked. I'm actually going to come up with a plan and I'm going to decide this is what I want to give. And and maybe you'll give on a regular basis. And that'll be your next step, stepping up onto that second step to say, I'm going to give regularly. Now, you may need to speak to your spouse about this. You may need to, to pray about this and decide what that's going to be. But you're going to make a choice. Maybe it's a percentage of your income that you choose. There are many here at Connect who have followed um, a principle that can be found in Scripture called tithing. You may have heard this spoken about at church before. Sometimes when we announce that it, it's time to give, one of the guys or gals on the stage here will say, you know, we're going to take up our tithes or our offerings. And, and that phrase comes from an Old Testament principle. You can read about it here in Malachi chapter 3, verse 10. It says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. So some people, that that tithe that comes from a word of 10, 10, 10%. And some people struggle with that because they're thinking, man, that would be hard to to give away 10% of what I have. But we've already kind of established in the last few weeks that God has blessed us with everything. That everything good comes from God. So in a sense, he's given us all of this and then saying, hey, but a portion I want you to trust me in and to give back. So in essence, it's not that we're giving him. We're getting to keep the remainder. That's what it looks like to give generously. And that might be too big of a a percentage for you. and Maybe you need to start somewhere else. But but it's making that choice and saying, I'm not just going to give randomly here and there. I'm going to give generously and have a plan. Many of you are on this second step and maybe even in this series you've been feeling pretty good because because you know that you're on the second step. But when was the last time you asked God, God, could I do more? Is there something else I could do? Because I believe there's there's another step. I believe that as well as giving generously, there could be the opportunity to give extravagantly. Now I'm hoping that this is safe for me to be up here. We'll edit it out if I fall off. But uh, here I am on our third step of giving extravagantly. So what does it mean to give extravagantly? Well, that's for us, those of us who have said, well, I've made a plan. I'm going I'm to give generously. But I'm going to ask God, God, is, the, is there something else I could do? Could I do more? Is there, is there a need somewhere else? Is there something else I could do? And here's the thing. I'm not saying that this morning you have to be on one of these specific steps. I'm just saying, when was the last time you asked God, God, where am I and where could I be? Could I move up one more step? Is there something else I could do? And again, we, we don't talk about this all the time at Connect, but we do talk about it because it's an important subject because Jesus spoke about it a lot. And because, as I mentioned, the first week we talked about this, um, Finances and money, they can cause such strife and anxiety in our relationships and in our families and in our marriages. Why wouldn't we want to put a plan together? And why wouldn't we want to say, it's in God that I trust. So God, by choosing to to live a life of generosity, by choosing to live a life I wanted to give to you, you see now where my treasure, where my heart is in relation to my treasure. I want to desire you, God, more than I desire the stuff I have. And God, I want to know, when, I, when you've blessed me with extra, what can I do with that? And here's why it's really important that as followers of Jesus, we ask these questions. Because three years ago today, three years ago today, we launched a campaign off the back of a series that we called Together for Washington. That campaign, as you've heard me speak about a lot in the last couple of weeks, will become one of the the greatest chapters in Connects history. It's what took us from um, the church in the middle school, setting up and tearing down every week, to our new permanent home. And in order to get from there to here, we needed a miracle. We we, we didn't have the resources to do it. So we came to the church and, and, and you were amazing. You, you agreed to give over and above, to give extravagantly. Some chose to give something, some chose to give generously, and some who were given generously chose to give extravagantly. And because of that, and because of the over 200 individuals, couples and families who made a decision to step up on the ladder, here we find ourselves this morning. And what's incredible through all of this We raised almost $250,000 more than our original goal. And yet through this, this was over and above people's normal giving. We still, over the last three years, were able to do all the ministry that we needed to do because of regular giving. We went through a global pandemic, one of the most challenging years financially. It's just been so amazing to see God at work over these last three years. And God has been so good, and your generosity has helped us get into this building with a much smaller mortgage than we ever would have had if we tried to do it without that. But I said this last week, and I want to say it again this morning. It's never been about the building. It's about becoming a place where we can be a resource to connect our community to Christ. And we've always known that. And that's why I'm going to pull up a few images in a second that will probably be some of my favorite images from the construction phase when we were renovating this space, when we were taking this old, empty Walmart building, breathing new life into it and turning it into our new church home. I love this building. I love walking in and seeing uh, just all the, the wonderful work that was done from the kids area and the playground up to the coffee bar and the lobby and the beautiful picture on the fireplace room and, and all these things. They're all great, but you may not know this, but these pictures show something that happened during the construction phase. And that was before the carpet was laid, before the drywall went up. We had a very special night where we invited people and dozens and dozens of you turned out. And we stood here in a half-completed building with bare studs and cement floors. And people took Sharpies and they started to write verses on the studs behind these walls they start to write prayers on the cement beneath these carpet tiles they start to write in the kids area knowing that that would one day be the kids room God bless every child that enters this room may they learn to know that God loves them that he has a plan for their lives that they are special people wrote Bible verses people wrote prayers Right now, we're sat in a building and surrounding us are these prayers that will be written forever behind the walls and beneath the carpet tiles. Because that was the story of this building. That's what we wanted this building to become. And it couldn't have been there if people hadn't decided to do just a little extra. So this morning, in just a a moment... We're going to close out our Together for Washington campaign with one final offering. And then when we're done, when service is over today, we're going to send you all away, every one of you, with something because we want you never to forget what God did in this place. So we had some extra stuff. So we had some extra wood. Left over, you'll recognize this word, you'll see it as you walk in. It's behind the welcome desk, it's on the front of the coffee bar. It's it's just such a distinct part of our lobby. So what we've done is, is we had enough extra that we were able to cut it up into to some smaller two-inch square pieces, and we're going to send you away. When you leave today, uh, you can grab one of these pieces. If you're watching online and you'd like one, let us know, and we'll keep some aside, and you can collect those during the week. Um, I'm pretty sure we don't need them anymore, but hold on to them just in case, because if we do, we'll have you bring them all back, and we'll stick them back together again. Um, no, we, we don't need them anymore, but we wanted you to have a little piece to remind you of this chapter in the story of Connect Church and how it wouldn't have been possible were it not for you giving a little bit extra. So the band are going to come back up in just a minute and they're going to sing one last song. And while they're singing, we're going to have that one final offering. Someone will give instructions on how you can give, whether you're watching online or, or here in person. Maybe you'll be one of the people who will give for the very first time to this fund here this morning on the last Sunday. Maybe you've already given, you made a pledge and you've made your pledge, but you'll just say, you know, I wanna, I wanna step up the ladder a bit. I wanna give just a little bit extra. And We'll celebrate all that God has done. And as we close this chapter, we'll look forward to the next exciting chapter that God has for us as we continue to move forward in this wonderful building that God has provided, impacting lives in this community. Let's pray. Father God, it truly is incredible. I, I can remember three years ago, the lead up to this campaign, Lord. We were still meeting in the middle school Uh, I was excited, God, because I knew that we had this opportunity to purchase and move into this beautiful building right here in the middle of town, Lord. But I didn't know as a new church how we'd be able to do it. And I certainly didn't think that, um, or I didn't know how we'd be able to accomplish that financial goal of raising the money needed to be able to help us get in here, Lord. But you've just blown me away for the rest of our lives, we will keep looking back at this moment in Connects History and say, only God. It's truly miraculous how this happens. And now, Lord, as we come to the end of Together for Washington, there are some people here this morning who weren't with us three years ago but have still been able to play a part in this journey are here now reaping the rewards of seeds that were sown three years ago from individuals and couples and families who said, we're in We want to support Together for Washington. We want to make it possible for Connect to reach new families. Those families are here today. New families have relationships with you. New people are being baptized. New kids are coming in and learning more about you because of the sacrifice, because of the choice somebody made three years ago of what to do with their extra. Moving forward, Lord, I pray that we will always recognize how much you've blessed us be open to hear you speak when the opportunity comes to give a little extra to you. We pray this in Jesus' name.